0: Namaste,
2: motherfuckers. Welcome to Namaste Motherfuckers, the only podcast where the worlds of comedy, self-help and business collide. I'm your host, Callie Beaton, and today's episode is called Love in the Time of Covid. The subject of couples therapy comes up a fair bit in today's conversation. And research tells us that of those who do it, it helps an estimated 70% of couples Despite there being numerous high-profile articles in everything from the New York Times to the Huffington Post to the Guardian, casting doubt as to its effectiveness, nearly 50% of married couples go to marriage counselling at some point, with about 30% of those having a mixed agenda, with one person wanting to save the relationship and the other one looking for a noble exit. Ryukatsu, which means tear-seeking, Is a Japanese therapy service in which women pay to have a good cry with a handsome man who then gently dries their tears oh my
0: everything was fine Hmm. until i clicked join with computer audio should i leave and yes yes
1: yes yes
2: those are my guests today comedy and showbiz couple jeff lloyd and sarah barron the 8th century Belgium saint, Saint Gumerus, apologies for the pronunciation, is the patron saint of hernias and difficult marriages. I think it was Yankovic who said that like a difficult marriage, a hernia may be something you just have to live with. In the Faroe Islands, girls traditionally present their boyfriends with a willy warmer to see if he is serious about their relationship. If he rejects it, this means he is not
0: yet ready for marriage. If only I'd known. Yes, can everyone hear me? I can right, hear then you. There we go. Right, then that, we was go. that was the issue. Yeah. Okay.
2: Jeff Lloyd is a radio and TV broadcaster and the co-host of Reasons to be Cheerful, one of the UK's most popular podcasts with him and Ed Miliband, as well as the acclaimed weekly humour podcast Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Sarah Barron is right up there with the UK's most talented female redheaded comedians. And having started out hosting New York's legendary storytelling night, The Moth, she's since had award-winning solo shows and appeared on pretty much everything from Live at the Apollo to Would I Lie to You to Frankie Boyle's New World Order. We talked about parenting, parents, fertility, compatibility, midlife crises, homeschooling, special needs, origin stories, love at first sight, marriage, family and sobriety. But I started by asking them if they had ever been to couples counselling.
1: No, Sarah Sarah wants to. But
0: Jeff doesn't want to, which is very interesting because he's the kind of person who seems very evolved and open. Well, I'm very open to to therapy.
1: Here's here's what I think. I think for us to have couples counselling, we would need to find one of those psychologists who somebody like a Woody Allen would see, like at a really high level because you are so... Self-aware, and you fancy yourself as a therapist. I do. That I think you would run rings around a lot of people. That's very sweet of you, darling. And you would ma- so manipulate you, the situation so to your would, own ends. I would. Yes. So
2: you'd be a couples therapy hustler, and Jeff would just be an innocent victim. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
1: ganging up. Yes, yeah. You you would use you would weaponize the therapy.
0: I think this is genuinely why he doesn't want to do it. Is it really? I, I feel so. like, I mean, we could do, we could use this as kind
2: of couples therapy. I think the first thing they would say, if this was couples therapy, they would say, so why are you both here? So, so what would you say yes, to that? Yes. Why are we both here?
1: I th- I think uh, both of our attitude towards therapy is like it, uh, in an ideal world, everyone would just do it as an ongoing thing. Yeah.
0: Like you go to therapy, like you go to the gym, like just sort of, and my mother is a therapist And there was a stage there where I feel like one of her specialties was couples counseling. I mean, I'm not 100% sure I'm right about this, but I think it was. And what she would say, which you hear many couples say or you hear many therapists say is that like the problem with it is that like a lot of people come too late. Whereas like it was just a thing you started started off around a couple years together. Then you never wind up. You sort of like you don't break a bone and then fuck up as you're trying to reset it. You're just sort of in this groove of good communication.
1: I talked to a therapist once in a social context and she she did a bit of couples therapy. And she said that if a man has initiated the therapy, he's using it as an escape route. He's using it to legitimize his escape route.
2: That explains a lot about what's happened in my life. But yeah, I, but, but
0: I don't know if you're being funny or if you're being serious. but that's no, I'm like being a- serious. Women, very broadly speaking, go into couples counseling because they want to stay in a relationship and they want to make it better. And men use it as sort of a good guy exit strategy. So sort of a performance of, ah. I know this is over for me, but I'm trying to... You know, exit in the least traumatic and seemingly most thoughtful way possible.
2: There are going to be people listening to this
0: going, Oh shit. Yeah. We were saying that yeah, marriage. So, and-, and I even think sometimes I've said this to Jeff, that sometimes when I'm like, I just, you know, if it was just completely up to me, I would get us in couples counseling. And I think he can't, I think you can't quite, like, because. Your experience has been that it's a way of exiting. I think that some part of me thinks that maybe you think it's about me trying to leave. No, no, or it's just trying to me make us happy. I
1: don't. And I, I, I was joking when I said, like, you are so therapized that the level of person that we would need. I'm- would be so difficult. No, well,
0: she just has an
2: American accent. Yeah, it I just lived in follow. New York for fifteen yeah. years yeah. and I'm Jewish and yeah. I have an American accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: mean I don't like to use therapize as a as a verb like that. But but there was there was something a while ago. It's it's the only thing like this we've we've ever had where we had to have a semi I've turned American. Semi. Oh, semi. Oh. Semi. They'd
2: throw you out of the north of <laughs> England for that shit. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the amount of
1: words I've forgotten how to. I I can't remember which is the British pronunciation because I think I've I've got a very feeble mind and I'm very easily influenced. So, for example, the word amenable. I can't remember if it's amenable or amenable because. You say it one way, and I've said it the, ho- the other way. Are you whole-
2: blaming Sarah for your loss of memory? I just wanted to. Well,
1: change. I do worry about my cognitive function generally, but you, you know, you're quite a, steam, you're, you know, a steamroller of a person. Yeah. yeah. But a- anyway, the, the reason I mentioned all this is we, we went to kind of like a semi counseling thing a while ago on Zoom about a very specific issue to do with fertility. And I think both of us found that we have had so much therapy in the past that. That kind of level doesn't doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, like for it us. was
0: for people who have never talked about their feelings.
2: Okay, so and it I was, was a little bit like your kids starting at uh, you know like one of my kids going to infant school when
0: they've just graduated university. Yes. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, which you know yeah. I'm sure it would have been okay for some guy who's like never cried. But the two of us were sat there being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know, we know our feelings are okay. This is so
2: that was specifically in regard to trying to have a kid as opposed to anything. Yeah, like, like we were, like we were sort of broken. like really
0: thinking about a second child and making the decision to not and we were like oh uh-huh. why well you know i was like okay sh- there are people whose job it is to advise through this very specific question from like we've we did ivf so it's not like oh what if i'm a little drunk tonight and we have sex and i'm ovulated like that's just never going to happen for us so like the idea of a second it's, kid, it's all down to me yeah, by the way i'm
1: very uh, uh it's not not that they're not plentiful weak it's, swimmers yeah exactly uh, the the motility yeah. is very poor which i think you would guess by yeah. looking at me
2: Men always try and say that it's the motility; they don't ever want to say that it just isn't the volume. They're like, "There's loads, but they're just a little <laughs> weak." Oh,
1: it's funny. So funny yeah. because i think of myself as somebody who wouldn't care about that, and yet there I am conforming to a male. Well, no, I, I actually, it. I think you don't
0: care about it. I think that you know that it's funny. Yeah, that you have a lot of sperm that's very lazy yes. because of your own relationship to your own physicality, and it yeah. just suits. But um, anyway, so you had
2: very, um, you had very keen eggs, but no sperm
0: that they, weren't they were, too lazy. They were medium keen. But no, you, I
1: think your, your your eggs were you know they were they fine. They there good are these form. women who are no, very fertile. You have it in your head. You, you Sarah's had it in her head the whole life that you you would have fertility issues. When it turned out, you were absolutely fine. Yeah, I was, was absolutely me. fine. It was I wasn't me.
0: excelling, but I wasn't failing. You only need to be good enough
2: with the fertility yeah. issues, right? You just, right? Need, you to you be just fine. need enough you don't need to win that race so you guys had up um, so you had the counseling for that and you decided not to have it. because how old is your little boy he's 5,
1: five. i'm 48 and um, we had these frozen. They call them embryos, blastocysts. blastocysts, which is the stage yeah, before embryos. And they've been sitting in a freezer. Every every year we have to make a decision: Oh, do we keep them in the freezer or do we donate them? Do you to pay medical for the s-
0: freezer? Yeah.
1: yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do we donate them to medical science? And you felt like this year was the crunch on that.
0: I just, I had this like, I'd sort of, I, I'd sort of accepted that probably it wasn't going to we weren't going to go again and i i always say that i feel like i was like 54% let's have another kid and jeff was like mm-hmm. 46 i'd rather not but it it really was both of us feeling mm-hmm. really ambivalent about it and then i had this when, whenever it was that like the the uk variant was getting so bad and it was like oh the fringe is not happening again this like not in a serious way and i was Running all these numbers and looking and I was like, if I got pregnant now, like we'll never do another whole round of that. But like if we took those three, put them up, see what happens. And I got pregnant like I we we could do it like I could Mm -hmm. go up to Edinburgh in 2022. We could, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, and I was like, okay, let's. And I got to know if there is like a baby somewhere in there, I just got to know. So Mm -hmm. let's go for it. And then and basically what I feel is that from that moment when I was like, let's go for it to me being like, I can't do this. I wanted Mm -hmm. two kids. But the moment of having that, like I wanted our son to be my second kid, that was going to be the workable timeline. We didn't get pregnant for years because we had this issue and I made peace with that. So the time has come and gone. It doesn't quite work. A lot of things have suggested that were, you know, were well suited to being a family of three. But I think I just had to get there on my own instead of feeling like it was a decision that I was like allowing someone else to make for me or letting the circumstances dictate, you know, being like, no, I don't. It's not right for me. So, so that's
2: a big. So that's a look because it's a bit like when you huge, decide. Horrible. It, and, and it's it's the not the loss of. Well, in a way, it, it's to say it's loss of hope sounds like I'm saying what you have isn't more than enough. But that's there true. is the loss of, a, you You say goodbye to a vision of what you thought your future might be. Yeah. And that I sometimes think is what you're grieving when things really change in life, even if you know you've made peace with the decision. Yeah, and
0: I think you're grieving also this sense of like all the big, there's like this moment that you reach, which I guess is essentially the midlife crisis where you're like, oh, I I know the answer to all the questions. When you're 22, you're like, "Will I get married? Who will that person be? Will I have kids? Will I?" Like, there's just all these questions. Then you get to some point where you're like, "Oh, this is just it now. This is just who mm-hmm. I'm with. These, is just, you know, and that I think is traumatic. But I, but, but." Um, the fact that it's traumatic doesn't mean you're supposed to have another kid or doesn't mean that you're Mm -hmm. suited to it. And also this way I started thinking about it was I was like, if I'm looking at these, thinking about these three blastocysts is like, but what if, what if my daughter's in there? Well, that's more like, then I have to think, what if my three children are in there? And -hmm. you would have to put a gun to my head and pull the trigger to make me have three more children. (laughs) So like, if I'm going to personify that in that way, then be like, I'm throwing out three babies. Like I'm not yeah. I can't think about this like throwing out a baby. It's throwing out yeah. three. And I just didn't want to get into this thing of like, we tried one and that didn't work. But what if it's just like, no, they were we were so lucky to be able to do IVF. We're gonna give these to science and let them let the field progress as our way of saying thank you for the fact that it existed in the time that we needed and that we were able to afford it and um make sure our son has a close relationship with his cousins done and now you can write the kid's book the three blastocysts <laughs> yes. honestly think, um... i'm like i'm like should i write an essay does the guardian need to hear what i have to say <laughs> oh the guardian needs to hear this shit about sure. about what it's yeah. like to throw out blastocysts maybe anyway I we think spoke to a, this an... like fertility counselor
1: regret aversion therapy it's called
0: Is that what it's called? I really wish they did have that for dating. I I would be in and out of that every six months. Yeah, and our doctor was like, yeah, I think you should speak to someone. And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. There are people who have, this is a very specific situation and yet millions of people must go through it. And, you know, because what I kept saying to Jeff is, what I want, the outcome that I want is not a second child. The outcome that I want is to put all those blastocysts up me and confirm that there's not a baby in there. That will bring me peace. And then I thought, oh, if you mm. really don't want another child, don't put blastocysts up you. So you need to then make peace with throwing out these things.
2: Um, so to have the experiment to make peace, you could have ended up with three babies instead of what you really wanted, which was uh, certainty. Yeah, exactly.
0: Very well put. And That's a hard um, trade-off. We So we spoke to this woman and uh, poor thing. Like It just started off and I was like, ooh, this is a hard this is a hard job. Like you have to get to know some people like work out who they, like it started off. And in the first 15 minutes, I had a lot of sympathy for her in terms of thinking about how difficult that job must be to get to know someone, figure Mm -hmm. out who they are, figure out what to say to them, figure out how to help them find language, et cetera, et cetera. And then by about the 22 minute mark, I was like, she's bad at her job. Like she's Mm -hmm. picking up on zero indications of like, it's, it's people reading, right? Like you're trying to work out who someone is quickly. Mm-hmm. She was very bad I th- I at that. I think it's
1: unkind to say she was bad at her job. Well, it I might think be she's un- probably good for 95% no, 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 of no people no, 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 who no. go and see No, her. no, 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 no. I, th- I think like what we both wanted was for her to stop the session and say, can I just say the amount of emotional intelligence that you're both displaying in this, it's unlike anything I've ever encountered.
2: Was it a one-off session for that?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so i have got to let go
2: of regret, a life-changing regret in one session with someone who's never met you before. Right. That's a tall order. And I
0: just, you know, Jeff was saying, oh, it's unkind to say she's not good at her job. And that's a little bit fair. So I think that's just like any is, therapist you ever see, you've got to find the right fair. one for
1: you. And this was just like
0: but one. But what I don't agree with about what you said is the idea that like, 95% of people would have had their needs met by her. I don't think that's true. I think that like 40% of people would have... Again, if you were someone who'd never been in therapy and you never cried and But that's probably about... more
1: like 90% of people than it is like 40%. I
2: don't think it is. It's it hard is. for us to know as Guardian readers who live all in the same bit of London. Yeah, it's very hard exactly. for us to get a read on the national... Although, guys, do you think it's a bit like... um. I guess doing that job, it is a bit of a poison chalice. It's a bit like trying to run a country during a pandemic, and you know somebody could have done it a lot better than our guys. But maybe it's really hard to do it really well. Uh, So how could you in an hour solve? I'll grant
0: both of you another point. Fine, ninety-five percent of people would have had their. But it was as though that was a terrible
1: negotiation. You went. I know, but
0: I'm just showing that I can admit when I'm wrong. But then, did you know? I just felt like she wasn't registering us at all. It felt like she had a script and. Regardless of what we were saying she was just looking to her next prompt on the yeah, script yeah. you can you concede that point so yes. it was
2: she was listening to respond rather than listening to learn
0: mm. yes Callie I'd like to throw
2: that shit out there at this point mm. in the podcast so you so you how long were you guys together before you had your little can I say your little boy's name sure. yeah yeah
0: it's Jean, Jean right? Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, very good. I like the way you're like, yeah, get, go so for it. Suddenly I was like, it. oh my
0: God, it seems like we're testing her. I would never do that to yeah.
2: somebody. Yes, yeah. his name is Jean. I just wanted to make sure you were all right, because there was a stage, I guess he's too young. But there was a stage where my kids are like, they were like, okay, it's bad enough you've taken up stand-up comedy in your 40s instead of just screwing your tennis coach like all our friends do. <laughs> oh, but do not use our names. Uh, oh, that's so, interesting. But he's too,
1: yeah, he's I do too I do worry care. about that. I mean, you know, I, 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 but I've never thought of it particularly in terms of his name.
0: I know. That's an interesting point. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll so both be anyway, filled with anxiety Gene. about that now, but good to <laughs> yeah, know it's good. What's coming.
2: We can't put the genie back in the bottle. No. So Jean, uh, so you had, so how long had you been together when you had Jean? Five
1: together years. Together,
0: five years by the time I gave birth.
1: Right. Okay. closer so, to six, wasn't it? No, five. Five. Yeah.
0: So half your relationship has been with
2: a kid and half yeah. of it was without a kid. And then when it went into your relationship, did you get married?
1: 2013 so I think we've been together sort of two and a half years yeah yeah
2: so it sounds like that's a kind of like you've done the kind of classic trajectory everything yes. wasn't acceptable like if you were to say no growing up that regret uh clinician wouldn't be able to say you haven't played by
0: the rules oh no very rule following in terms very, of very time, timeline very very scandalous
2: very unscandalous and did you find that and so you've had and of that 10 years You've had, you know, year and a half lockdown. So you've had the kind of it's and and that happened to be with your kid oh. who did or didn't need homeschooling. He did did, did. He?
0: and only in the third lockdown. So he was in nursery.
2: Yeah, which was the sweet spot,
0: right? Because they stayed open. Well, lot, they, they didn't, didn't. In the
1: first month and a half or two but months. But and looking then, back yeah. on
0: that first lock, so in 2020, first lockdown, we had him with us from late March until early June. Looking back on that now, it was absolutely fine because the weather was glorious and there was no expectation yeah. of what we were supposed to be teaching him. Cut to January 8th of 2021, all hell broke loose because by then so he was, was in, he reception. in reception by exactly.
2: then. So you actually had to follow some kind of ridiculous curriculum because, really, honestly, what are they learning right. in reception apart from how to socialize? Yeah. But he, so you had, what did you have to teach? Did you have to do phonics?
1: Is that a thing? Phonics. And then there'd be uh, book activities, but they wouldn't be physical books. There'd be PDFs that the school would be putting up on Google Classroom. And what I I learned, because I think we are sort of equally close with our son, but I think what I learned is my relationship is more akin to Playmate than parent. And... So Your fun dad. I, well, yeah, but I think you know, the downside of that is I just don't know how to motivate him to do anything that he doesn't want to do. And that was most. Schoolwork, and i just found it incredibly it was frustrating awful.
0: it was just but if
2: you think about the scandinavian model you know he wouldn't be going to school for another three right. years and and those kids seem to do okay they do so but I they're think... all
1: in the scandinavian model that's what I, so yeah. I i love that scandinavian model and uh
2: you can't put scandinavia into stoke newington although they fucking tried haven't they <laughs> they should they fucking should but uh yeah. unfortunately so it...
1: that's not you know that's not the the parameters were operating Wasn't in.
2: available and was it um because my, my kids stepped Mum is a teacher she's a she's a sort of um she's in the private system but she's a, so a prep school teacher so young kids and I know the pressure it was on the parents as well so, so she took the approach of how can I try and give the parents stuff that they want to do with the kids so like if there's a family that want to do more drawing or more whatever let's try and do that but it sounds like you were just given like here's the here's the kind of whole fit the square peg in it don't worry about how I you mean do they that.
0: were reasonable like it, it was just sort of like it, it got to a stage where they set up sort of multiple hours of coursework or whatever every day. And I was just like, I can't do this. So what we'll do is we'll show up. If you're giving this to me so that I feel that you as a school are doing everything you can so my child doesn't fall behind and you think I can't figure out what to do with my time, no thank you, I don't need it. I can mm-hmm. figure out how to fill our time and make sure that things don't go crazy with screen time and all of that. But mm-hmm. I just don't think that trying to wrestle my son in front of a computer for four hours a day is more beneficial than taking him to the local park and letting him run around as long as or I can- While you drink vodka on well, the bench. While I drink vodka <laughs> on the bench, exactly. Yeah. So so we sort, we sort of, tr- we tried to show up to like roll call every day and would try to do one assignment a day like even now talking about it I feel my like it was so it was it was the worst thing I've been through it was it was was horrific and it made you feel terrible as a parent it made me worry about my son it was just awful and I went a bit it sounds like
1: I went a bit nuts with some of the assignments as well Did you get a bit competitive? Well, not competitive. It's uh, because he he was disliking it so much. I thought, how can I make this fun for him? And they'd often say in the notes, you know, if you want to upload a video. So I ended up doing these ever more elaborate um, video productions, which I would make with him. In a very basic form.
2: When you say with him, he was watching Peppa Pig and making a video. Well,
1: kind of almost. I mean, we we they'd ask for videos based on stories or whatever topic they'd be learning. So I'd talk to him, record some very basic raw footage which he had collaborated on, and then I would spend upwards of twelve hours uh, editing it in it iMovie. Wasn't really, twelve hours. I think one of them was the Batman one was. Wow, using green Batman screen one. graphics wow. grams so
2: that's what you might I, I suspect that that might happen more in north london than in some other parts of the I country i think you're right the, 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 you're the 12-hour yes. edit yes. green screen yeah i mean some people might even say i didn't have a green screen yeah I, yeah no, sure. i mean it's hard not. to imagine, imagine there are people like that so this I, I was just thinking about learning styles and and you know um or sarah you know my son's autistic so he's autistic and he's got extreme ADD attention deficit disorder. And at that age, I wouldn't have known any of that. So I would have had, if this had been Jake, I would have had a four-year-old at home who does have special learning needs. I wouldn't have known he had special learning needs and nor would the school. And I'd have been trying to cope and thinking he was a failure and I was a failure. And I'm just wondering how it is for people who, because you don't even know what your kid's makeup is yet. Well, we certainly do. So
0: Gene has special learning needs. He has been thus far, you know, he's had all this testing done because basically there's some very apparent issues with his gross motor skills like that's been clear mm-hmm. to us for a while and then once he started school it became clear there was some fine motor skill stuff as well mm-hmm. so he's so had- like a dyspraxia type thing possibly,
1: possibly. i mean we're doing it's the-
0: right now what the, the best way that i can explain it is it's like there's a way that an average child's reflexes get incorporated into their system, and that hasn't Mm -hmm. happened for him. Mm -hmm. So just the ability to jump in a certain way, which I think there is a lot of overlap with that, and autism. He's had all these tests done, and um, it seems that, you know, and I'm very aware of not talking like an autism diagnosis is a bad thing or a good thing, it's just this neutral thing, that he has been diagnosed as not autistic from what they can tell so far. But all these issues do manifest in, in stuff to do with concentration. Yeah. But he's... So he's sort of got all this stuff and he sees an occupational therapist every week. He just got glasses because he has this eye that wander. You know, all these sorts of things. But the point is, he has special needs. Mm-hmm. And the addition of that, where I'm like, we already don't know how to teach a child. Mm-hmm. Layer on top of that, this kid who had... Like, we need pros in, in every, you know, professionals mm-hmm. at every available opportunity. And it just... And we're good at playing with him and good at loving him. But the teaching stuff was just a nightmare.
2: In terms of you looking at your marriage now, so when you first met and you became a, an item as the young people don't say, how would you have, how would you have described your relationship in the, in the beginning? I think
1: you'd just been on the dating scene for an exhausting amount of time. You were conscious of your, your own ambitions personal ambitions and you were ready to make a compromise ready to compromise yeah. yeah time to settle he'll yeah, do exactly
0: i feel like you know what this is it's like let's bring it back to the guardian you know do you ever read that 10 question, like that interview that they do in the guardian on a saturday in the magazine always so Religious. i always do and you're like then there are the people who every question is a joke and you're like or every yeah. answer is a joke and you're like this, yeah that was funny but like this has been very unsatisfying i've gotten nothing out of you on that I feel that's what you just.
1: I know, but I, I'm also. Sort of you conscious. were. You no, were. His, his thing, every time I go on. Oh, a so podcast, he's the
2: guy answering the questions with jokes, and we're but, learning. Yes,
1: nothing. but but it's, it's born out of a place of every time I go on a podcast, I think, oh, um, I, I, I'm going to enjoy talking to such and such a pe- person, and then afterwards, I think, oh God, I treated it like a therapy session. I was incoherent. Oh, I was self serious. So I'm trying. So you're just
2: going to derail this one
1: yeah. and make it. So I just. all you're doing. Is I want to. Your... I want to be more fun on podcasts.
0: That is you being fun on podcast? That's you. You're intuiting the needs of the interviewer and you're meeting them mm. as an empath.
1: But I, d- I, d- I think it's so seldom in real life. Do people? What are you doing that for? I don't know. You're doing like a, a very primate-ish.
2: It's a visual tick. I,
0: were you doing one of the primates that Jake's gonna? Yeah, that's I think it was, it, it was. All the zoo talk.
1: But no, but but
0: here's the, the truth, Callie. But, <laughs> here's the truth. He met me and he was like, "This is what I've been looking for my whole life." that's what's true the
1: thing i said and um... i pretty
0: and i think i felt the same as well once i settled into the drama of our story i don't want to i feel like we keep getting onto these topics and then deciding we don't want to talk about it so for example like gene's special needs jeff was in another relationship when he and i met i don't think we want to go too much into that so just when i say jeff met me and was like oh my god woman of my dreams And I say, oh, that is sort of how I felt. I was just adjusting to like, oh, there'll be a little more drama surrounding... The meeting of this man who's clearly like going to be my husband. So, what well, you're,
2: you're not saying that you were thinking about a polyamorous relationship, it was definitely going to be a trade. <laughs> it was
0: going to be a trade. We were, we we never, going we were out. never going to be a We were never going to be a thruple.
1: I, I respect it as an idea, and I'm sure there are some people for whom that works very well. Tiring However, mode, don't
0: you think? Gosh.
1: Whenever I've watched a documentary or read an article, there always seems to be two people who are enjoying it more than the other one. I've, I've never yet like to be porn. convinced. Mm. I've yet to be convinced. But, um, no, what it is, and this is interesting. I guess with regards to your jobs and to some extent mine, I, I try and think about what is my story and what is somebody else's.
0: Yes, that's very wise.
1: And what's the what's the famous quote? I'm sure you have. To, it's not Nora Ephron or somebody. It's not everything's copy. Um, oh, everything's copy. No, Nora Ephron. Yeah, I think there's some some other quote that you've said about how. The people in your life become collateral damage if i think it's specifically to, like do to with be being an a writer is to be a monster yeah or to be
0: a good writer you have to be a monster yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah one of those you. ones um and i you know I, I think i have heard a lot of good stand-up and watched a lot of good films and, and read stories where that's definitely the case where people telling their story is so compelling or funny or whatever but wonder how much how, how successfully you can do that. and In terms you're... of
2: your story being different to Sarah's? No, no, in terms of, so Sarah just mentioned was... that
1: um, I was in a relationship when we met, which was kind of on the skids and had broken up a few weeks before. And it's, you know, like taking off a plastic, It doesn't always come off in one go.
2: never does. And also suddenly the makeup sex is so good. And you're like, <laughs> oh, why wasn't it like this when we were together? When there's jeopardy and when it's illegal, it's amazing.
1: But But then, you know, I'm conscious that there was somebody else, around at the time who felt pain through all of that. And that I struggle a little bit with talking about that too much because I, I think...
0: Well, that's why I'm it trying to not talk about here. it too much. Yeah. But just to but say that... it gives that, context for how you Yeah, met. just yeah. to yes. give context that... I think we I felt very in love very quickly, but it was more tumultuous than it might otherwise have been because yep. there was this other party involved who was going through a lot of pain and Jeff was going through a lot of pain. So so that was that was our origin story. I think so you had
2: an um. so there was an unavailability like so literally in a way Jeff wasn't there, have you always gone for the slightly unavailable? Was that a part of the thing or was well, that just an it no it was it was I mean it
1: wasn't it kind of wasn't like that um the th- thing I was I trying said... to
2: give it a kind of Freudian spin but it was more practical than that. I can see from <laughs> Sarah's no, it special, was... like, no I had to wait for her to clear out the way and then I <laughs> came in it was the, the
1: thing I said in the um the speech at our wedding was Sarah and I uh we, we met when I was in New York, working for a week, and we went to see a... Oh,
2: so you met over there, I assumed. Yes. I don't know why. I assumed you'd met over here.
1: And the first time I saw her face, it was like, you know, the song, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, which I play for you on the anniversary of year. Very romantic. Because, what a face. Um, what a beautiful face. She was face. on stage. She was on stage hosting a storytelling night in New York, and I just thought she was... Was fantastic. this The Moth this Yeah, or the other one? Was um, the Moth? I thought she was just one of the greatest stage performers I'd seen. I thought, this woman is brilliant. Um, I was unable to put an age on you because your hair was doing something kind of interesting. It
0: would turn out he thought I was a minimum of 10 years older than I was at the time because wow. he found my Well hair it, was, style it was confusing
1: your vibe and what you were saying were so a vibe of a, a, of a woman in her 30s and your hair looked like um, the, the mother-in-law from, I don't know if it was Bewitched or I Dream of genie or one so of those So you were
2: shows. like she's a lot older than me but I'm broad-minded so what's, what's, and what's, she, what's going, she what's, spins a good yarn. What is yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah. That is what he thought. And
1: then then Sarah yeah, then we, nice we had a guest drop out on the radio show I was doing over there so we Sarah, because I thought she was so magnificent at the end of that
2: old woman, i will have some nuggets, yeah, <laughs> listeners.
0: yeah.
1: And then at the end of that, I was saying, Oh, well, you know, it's great to see you, and uh, can you recommend me some places? Sarah said, Oh, if you're around, um, let's crucially, go crucially.
0: When I came onto your radio show, you thought I was much cuter she because hat on. I had because it was winter and I hadn't, so I had a, like a little knit cap on, so my hair. And my outfit were not aging me in the way that they had to. I was before. able to place you, and it was like, oh wait, actually, no, she's cute. Yeah,
1: yeah. so um, so you
0: were like kooky millennial. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly.
1: Nice, I mean, millennials pushing nice. it. What was yeah. the phrase you? Used I am recently?
0: a geriatric millennial. That that yeah. is it. I looked a new up that thing. phrase recently,
1: and I'm not quite sure that you even fall into that bracket. I do. Go on. Okay, um, I'm and, a
0: very
2: young Gen X. Yeah, <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and nice. Um, and and we. Um, you know, Sarah said, oh, you know, if, if you're around, let's have a coffee. So we went for this coffee um, on a Saturday afternoon and we ended up talking and talking. I get I'm very easily moved to tears, Kelly. This oh. is something you should know about me. Um, we talked. It should have been like a two hour coffee, but it just kept going on and on and on. And then you had to go off and do a show in the evening. You said, do you want to come with me? And I, I was supposed to be going somewhere else. And I just didn't want to stop talking to you. I just like thought, I hope this
2: never ends yeah
1: i do i hope this conversation never ends oh. and I, I just remember thinking sort, sort of thinking and this is what um i said in the speech at our wedding i said I, th- I kind of thought in my head oh it's you like you know
2: you're the person yeah i knew i that was there for me so so you knew sarah was the person out there in the world with your name on her from when you started talking to her and sarah you were like yeah you'll do you're <laughs> a- yeah <laughs> like, whatever <laughs> New York has nothing left for me. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> I heard you both talking on um, Lou Sanders, uh, Lou Sanders' brilliant um, Cuddle Club podcast. I heard you talking about the different sort of styles you have, and I guess you're sort of showing them there in a way, albeit sort of humorously. But I guess with behind every humorous thing, do you know what? Um, but we in, were in terms a bad of, mood, that we were night, in, were we had we. a horrible. Like, oh, we love Lou. Okay? Lou
1: is an old friend, and I, I love. Her it so came much,
2: across. But. It came across well. But it, what struck me was that um, was that you're the other way, gender-wise. You're the opposite way around from how I always am. So I'm the Jeff and the men I date are the you Sarah I think in terms of that need for touch and can, I'm like a little sort of a puppy or a kitten and I'm like just hold me and stroke me and tell me I'm amazing and and I need you and I need you and don't leave me don't abandon me and whereas I always seem to date guys who are like yeah okay I've hugged you
0: for three minutes okay so but so then, then now, hold on Kelly, do you know King? what my therapist would say about that you something in you needs guys who then fill that role for you yeah. I so need the unavailable. You need guys. something in you would not be attracted to someone who is as available as you think you want. Yeah. But I want to say also, I don't I think that actually I think what has really been revealed about us that is very authentic is how I just need to talk and say everything. And Jeff like I'm like, oh yeah, so Jeff had this other girlfriend when we got like Jean has special needs. Like I just I'm like I'm out, very man. bad at monitoring myself. And Jeff is hyper-conscious of monitoring himself.
1: But that's not not in the context of our relationship. But not like, in the ev- context of our relationship. Everything is out, like nothing. Everything. G- even stuff I want to sweep under the carpet, you won't allow that well, to between
0: happen. Between you, so behind closed yes, doors, Yes, exactly. Actually, out. we're sort of very, very even in terms of being emotional and... Being needy. I think we're both equally needy. It sort of depends on the day. And then the joke that we say, but like so many things, there's like so much truth in it, is that we'll be like, well, Jeff loves me more than I love him. Ha 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 ha. But actually, like, if Jeff dropped dead tomorrow, heaven forbid, I genuinely think I'd never get married again. Like, I just think that would be it for me. And I'd try dating a little bit and I'd try... Whatever, but I just don't think I'd ever find someone again. Whereas if I drop dead tomorrow, Jeff would be remarried within two years. Like, because... And, and I'd be the, he's, if he's Paul McCartney, I'd be the Linda. Like I would be the great love, but he could not be alone. So he would find someone else who he was very happy with. So it's like, so, so both those things even out to mean that we're equally in love with each other.
1: Let me tell you something weird. Sarah's parents came to visit recently. They quarantined with us and then did the test release. So we, we got to go for a walk. On that walk, Sarah was walking behind with her dad. I was walking ahead with her mother. Listen to what her mom asked me. She said, if Sarah died, have you thought about w- what you would want in your next partner?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. What is wrong with wow, her? Wow, wow, wow. But that my mother is... also is always wow. like... Um, her, That's a whole Edinburgh show right there. Her now. go-to thing is asking me if I think I'm going to get divorced. Like if I say something or do an eye roll or anything, is it's like... Does she want you to die? No,
1: this and is the thing. She, is wants like, inti- she, would, she wants the intimacy she wants the of you intimacy opening of, up about yeah, your marriage. Yeah, I think that's
0: too. right okay. because she's okay. uh, both. My parents are just obsessed with Jeff, um, and so it isn't about that. But it's just like the number of times where I've said like, "Oh, I said this thing to my mom," and then she was like, "Well, do you, I mean, do you think you're going to get divorced?" And you're like, "What? No, I'm. I'm. What?" What are you talking about? It is
1: it's that that the kind of relationship with you as somebody who found a husband is is kind of peculiar. Yeah. Well, on the day we got engaged, yeah. we were staying at this castle in Scotland. We came downstairs. How did, did
2: you ask was it the
0: traditional <laughs>
1: you know the story, right? One...
0: No, I don't think no, she I does. Didn't. I I did like a stand up about it, but basically which one did you? Was that in your fur Was it in one of? Was it was it in. It was in my first. Yes, I do know. My, I do so, know the toilet. Yeah, the toilet yeah. seat. Yeah. I do know.
2: Yeah, it but, was in for worse. Yeah. Yes.
0: Oh. Yes. Great, Kelly. So,
2: very good.
1: Great story. So, so despite the kind of scattering. we're going to
2: put a link to for worse in the show notes. Is it? Is there a link to where people can see it? Is it on? I think, no, but I think, but I think they told that story on I live think? at
1: the Apollo. So if that's on the but internet, only anywhere, in the twenty-minute version. Okay, but um, but but anyway, um, so we we come downstairs engaged, Sarah. Holds up a hand with the, the, the ring on it. And your parents are, are kind of uh, pleased, overwhelmed, shocked. shocked. Your dad bursts into tears. The first thing he comes over is, uh, comes over and does it, is shakes my hand and then looks into my eyes and says, thank you.
2: Wow! Like, like the big can't... fear
1: was she was going to be the spinster, and they just, like it's and, um
2: like a Jane Austen novel, like you'd yeah, saved the spinster yeah. of the it village. like Thank you, like just see seemed...
1: now. Your dad says he was joking now, but I think he's. I
0: don't think, that, you and could I see in thing, his eyes I it said, was
2: relief, not humor. Yeah,
0: it was, and I just think there's this like there there was just some other road I was going to go down. Of this woman who really wanted to be married, you know, or wanted a partner and wanted children and it just kind of wasn't going to happen. And that was going to be this sad thing for me. And then Jeff came and saved me from that fate. And there's something in that that's real. And actually, I haven't said this to you, but I've been like, when my parents, my parents were here and I had this like one massive breakdown day where I'm still like, Unpicking why I got, but like, do you ever have those days where like this blackness just enters you and you are in a? Yeah, mood? Yeah, I have about
2: three of those
0: a week. Same, right, same. right. So i I would say I get one of those. You know, if we're if the level of blackness I'm talking about, I would say I get a few a year that are this bad. Yeah. And I just had one of them, and I was in this mood, and Jeff, you know, Jeff could feel me getting exasperated with him at every turn. And so at one point, he's like, "What? What's, what's going on?" And I. Just have this full heaving sob thing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and I've subsequently looked back on this day and been like, what was going on with me? As is often the case with these things. Um there were various things, but I genuinely think that one of them was that because our son is now five, he is he is getting into that age where like grandparents are the most exciting thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, so he yeah. was so yeah. responsive to having my parents here. Yeah, mine are the same with theirs. Um, I also recently, which I'm not going to say to Jeff because I haven't said it to him and I think he'll get it too upset by it, but I was with some friends recently and in a funny way, this one woman said a very dark thing about time with your parents as they age. And I think I had this like, Come to Jesus about how little time I have left with my parents, who are both in perfect health. Touch wood. Combined with like how actually sad it is that my kid doesn't get to see his cousins or his grandparents mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. ever. And I just because think, they're across the pond. Yeah, and Jeff's family yeah. is up in North Wales, and his parents can't. Like my kid, you know, sees grandparents a couple times a year if he's yeah. lucky. Yeah. Same with cousins. And. I accept that. I go, you know what? At least I met someone. At least I have a good marriage. At least I got to have a kid who gives a shit if I'm across an ocean. And I think I just like in one day was hit with the grief of how sad that is still that he doesn't Mm. get to see his grandparents. And I think Uh, that like I think that my parents, everyone thinks that Jeff is the only one for me. That's what it is. Myself included. Don't you like that's just my parents just think that if I think that's what my mom being like. Do you think you're? Do you think you're going to get divorced? Is is there something in it her? It's like, honey, you know, if you get divorced, you're never going to find someone else. Like, yeah, lightning no doesn't strike twice. Yeah, in the yeah. Same honey, place. lightning is not going to strike twice. And I swear <laughs> to God, and if my mother listens to this, which inevitably she will if I tweet it, yeah. you know, she'll be like, I do. You, I do not. You are out of your mind. That is coming from somewhere in you, and I'm like bullshit. It's coming from you. It's yeah. in me, <laughs> and, and we it's have to take Sarah's yeah. mom to yeah. prove it.
2: Is it? Um, I think when you it, one of the you're sort of preempting the um in a way the the whole kind of em- I'm going through such a sort of crisis of empty nest parents. Oh, you know, my dad's 80, my oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've been. I mean, I've been crying. My son's about to leave again. He's got an amazing job as a mammal specializing uh. zookeeper, and it's his dreams. But my daughter's moving to Madrid. Oh. And I mean, I've been in, I've been an empty nester before, but it is a weird, it's a very, very kind of weird thing. But what I w- will say as well before we get into the my my three regular questions, that mm, I'm going to put mm. to each of you, but is that um, it, well, it sounds like you guys do not need relationship advice from me. Nobody does because my life is a hot mess. But one thing I didn't realize, and it is actually really lovely to hear you realizing it when you're in the relationship, was not that I should still be with my kid's dad. I think it was the right thing that we're not, and he's got an amazing, you know, new partner and a lovely little kid so my kids have got another brother but it's I did not realize till I lost Ed how incredibly precious the things that kept us together all those years were mm. and how those things don't come again I always thought I'll get another not another Ed but I thought I'll have another person who's like that and that isn't that hasn't been available um I think that was my one shot at that type of a relationship doesn't mean I, I can't have other relationships and I'm with someone now I'm, I'm really into but it's different. So the thing you have now, there is a sort of a one shot at sharing a life and having a kid and doing stuff the way you're doing it in a way, even though people go again and get remarried. So what I'm saying is- Stay in the rut. No, in no the matter
1: right, how deep the rut, stay in the, the right. Plough the furrow. Even <laughs>
2: if the furrow makes you sick, just keep ploughing it in the hope that something fertile, Oh, well, that's the wrong thing to say when <laughs> we started. Okay, let's move on because <laughs> Dr. Freud is calling.
1: Namaste,
2: what would you pick as your namaste
0: motherfucking moment? So I have two. One is very, very dark, but I'll try and present it in like a fun way or I'll, I'll say the lighter one first.
2: That's your USP, dark in a fun way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh
0: yeah. So the, a few months ago, I want to say, Jeff and I were talking about something and I would have been running around obsessing about some comedy-related, this person got this, you know, hyper-competitive, uh, like, comparison uh, moment. You just described me right? In lockdown. Well, yeah. it's, it's a description of, like, any comedian, basically. And I also think, like, anyone who works in some kind of creative field. And I, Jeff, we were having some conversation and Jeff went, well... I'm paraphrasing here, but he went, well, but this is our thing. Like, we both have, like, such complicated relationships to our jobs. And I went, D- well, wait, I don't think I have a complicated relationship to my job. I think I'm like, oh, I discovered really what I wanted to do and really went for it at 35. And I'm, oh, I, I just know, you know, he's like, but you're miserable in it half the time. And I was like, and that, t- I didn't think I came across that way. And the idea that, like, half the time, instead of really loving what I'm lucky enough to do, I'm, like, focusing on all these incredibly depressing and unimportant aspects of it. I was like, I refuse to live that life. So I'm going Mm -hmm. to, like, whatever needs to go into me enjoying the right things and ignoring the bullshit I will do that like that that Mm. is now becoming one of my major goals that I work on in whatever capacity every single day as long as I am working as a stand-up comic
2: and what's your second uh, oh this is
0: a really dark one but there is a book called we are coming to you Jeff you're important too A short story. He probably doesn't want to do one, so you can use both of mine and maybe he'll sit it out unless you've got one. He's lucky to be here, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's a very famous short story collection by this American writer named Laurie Moore called Birds of America. And I read it over 10 years ago, so well before I knew Jeff and long before I ever had a kid. And one of the short stories is about a mother whose child gets ill. And it's a short story. You never see where, you know, where it all goes. But there's this moment that she conveys... Brilliantly, where it's like, if something like that happens to you, your entire life is divided into a before and after. Mm. And the idea that anything in the before has ever, ever troubled you in the after will seem like the most ludicrous Mm. moment of your life. Like, just it will be incomprehensible to you that your Mm -hmm. before life will have seen anything other than completely blessed and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I just try to remember that, like, every day that I am healthy. And that my husband and child are healthy. This is just the life of the before. This is just perfect. Like, we just Mm -hmm. live a perfect life. And that Mm -hmm. moment of reading that book helped me connect to that. And that is one of my great gifts, darling, is perspective.
2: I'm going to put that um, the link to the book in the podcast, as great. well as a link to live at the Apollo. Would I lie to you? And everything that you've insisted I put in the show notes. Perfect. So thank <laughs> really you for job, that, darling. Sarah. No
0: problem.
2: Um, uh, thank you. No, those are those are great. I was um, being giddy uh, and silly while having goosebumps. So uh, so thank you for those. And Jeff, what's uh, what's yours? I mean, to a some extent, motherfucking moment. To some extent, can't say the same book.
1: <laughs> to to some extent, I. Like I'm still hoping for it. I think part of what keeps me going is that there's going to be this one, one moment where somebody says, oh, you're just thinking about it wrong. And if you just flip your perspective, then you're going to feel fine and you're going to feel happy and, and satisfied. Although you used the phrase earlier, which was, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was to do with the, the grief uh, coming to terms with the grief of your life, not quite working out what has uh, mm. as, been what you thought it was going to mm. be. Um, so, so maybe maybe you were my moment there, Kelly. But I don't know. I mean, it feels like probably getting sober is the one. Yeah. For me, um, I remember when I first started in radio, as really young, like seventeen years old, working at this local radio station in Manchester, and there was a pub next door where everyone used to to go at lunchtime and after work, and I'd sit around with these people who, like looking back on it, they're in their 30s, they were 40s. Some of them were just, to this day, the funniest people I've mm. ever met. I was lucky enough to to work and be taken under the wing of Craig Cash. So mm. I'd, I'd sit in the pub with these people and they'd be so funny. Mm. And I'd be like this 17 or 18-year-old kid having nothing to say, feeling like I was, you know, just I had no personality. Mm-hmm. And then I started drinking and I had stuff to say and I found myself funny and I, I'm sure I wasn't. But so, so for a long time, like my sense of my own personality being interesting to other people was I, I had to be drunk. And I was just, you know, I was just drunk all the time.
0: When did had you stop drinking when you met Sam? Yeah,
1: yeah. I stopped drinking oh, pretty you'd been young. Sobered. Yeah.
0: Well, interestingly, so Jeff had his 20th sober anniversary in january so weirdly he was sober 10 years by the time we met and has right. subsequently so you weren't sober. part of
2: it because they i've dated a couple of um no and i think addicts and alcoholics is never a great it's, it's thing not a it's good new. it's not a good point but in the first just, year steer clear dear well that's yeah. that's well, what they say
1: i mean i never did aa yeah. but that's that's what they say in those yeah. groups isn't it around for those rooms reason. but I, for for a long time even when i could feel that my life was becoming really chaotic and i was becoming like a bad friend and like a, a an erratic employee and and all the worrying to people and all that stuff uh, the thing in my head would always be but oh god you'd have nothing to say you wouldn't be interesting or funny or whatever if you, if you stopped drinking which is why a lot
2: of people drink I had yeah. like
1: most of my yeah my best friends from then when I was that mess and when I was drinking all the time are pretty much still my best friends now and Sarah did a, a lovely thing where she collected some nice messages on the uh, my 20th sober anniversary and yeah, you know, no, no matter what I think about myself, people seem to prefer me. Sober you do still to, have a personality. To, well, well, I, will I don't, vouch I don't for that. know, but well, you then will, the other thing a, is, <laughs> I went to this wedding a few years in of sobriety, and I Weddings was. are tough
2: sober. They really. Uh, well, are awful. I, I barely drink, and they're awful. very hard when you don't drink. And I was on yeah. this
1: table with somebody who, and it was in Manchester, you know, where people say what they think. Yeah. Um, and I was on a table with somebody I'd known. Almost exclusively when I was drunk, and at some point of the evening, she announced to everybody on the table, "See him? He used to be a funny fucker, but now he doesn't drink. He's a boring bastard. He hasn't said anything funny all night." And I thought, "Well, there's there's my inner monologue. I mean, that that's yeah. what I think." And there it is being confirmed. And they by do somebody say else. the words the
2: words of drunk women at Manchester weddings are always to be absolutely listened yeah. to. Yes, 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 yes. yes yeah, yeah. What she thought was very insightful. Yeah. but I do think so, she's well, kind of
1: right. But the uh, you know the pros outweigh the cons, I guess.
2: Well, you, I suspect that's not right, or you wouldn't be doing quite so well as a voice that the nation listens to. But no, I'm going to remember that's... all of that. All I'm going to edit is the bit where you said, Kelly, I think maybe you're my moment. Yes, that's all Sarah can remember of that bit as well. So I'll leave you guys to work that one out. Um, two last questions for each of you. So um, what is your favorite joke?
0: I think that, um, you know, one of our, most talented colleagues is the comic finn taylor i just mm-hmm. i think he's great brilliant yeah and we yeah. saw his 2018 edinburgh show um which i think was called when Harassy met sally and there's this and and what i think jeff and i have said to each other like privately is it was this really excellent show about the gray area you know the mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. in politics and life and all of that, and so he does this joke where he's sort of talking about like it, he he makes the point that sometimes there is stuff that is like women are this way and men are this way, and that mm-hmm. feels like such an unfashionable mm-hmm. thing to say. But I'm like, yeah, that's fucking true in some ways, and does this bit about how like a man would that a friend a female friend of his at one point is like. Ugh. I'd let that guy finger me, but I hate the shirt he's wearing. And that like, this, that you, that that would never come out. <laughs> like a man would never be like, oh, I'd let her blow me, but I don't like the outfit. And I just, <laughs> I thought it was one of the most beautifully written and observed bits of standup I'd heard at the fringe. That Amazing.
2: Year. Jeff? Thank you. And Jeff, yeah, you, you it's kind of hard to ask uh, for two female comedians or any, any gender identifying comedians to ask a non-comedian. For his favourite joke? Not to say you're not comedic, but even without the alcohol to make you funny, do you have a (laughs) favourite joke you could deliver for us? You
1: see, I'm a a comedy fan, but I'm not not a great joke fan. Although I I think when you're younger and your neural pathways uh, are still uh, forming, maybe those types of jokes are funnier than they are now where you kind of know where everything's going. But there was, there was... I think
2: all jokes are funnier when your neural pathways haven't formed. I like my audience is half-formed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that one. It's a little bit long-winded, though, and I'm not a joke teller, but I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So it's um, a, a guy... has so
2: going to have to get a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to see what's going
1: on. But I Instagram. also hate, like, I, I was listening to, I won't say who, but I, I was listening to one of your episodes where somebody gave you a joke and you, you traded them and the thing is about these kind of pub jokes you have to feel you have to perform the laughter but it's not real laughter so I, I, i'll are tell you, you saying i
2: faked it with well, one he, of my he, guests?
1: he did you did we all are i mean this is the point yeah right um you know if it's some knock knock joke out of a kid's book well, we, no, know know we know where it's about... we know where it's going we know where it's going. So, anyway, so, so and and I know now my price for um, setting it up like that. Did you that
2: like is, the rest of the podcast? I though, loved just it. So. Loved it. I mean, <laughs> oh, the, good. the person
1: in, 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 uh, I love the yeah. podcast. I find Don't it. Don't
2: put listeners off, please. So, uh, you
1: know, it's so interesting as a premise. This person's a friend of mine. I learned things about him that I didn't know from real good. life. So Well
2: saved, sir.
1: Yes. So, um, but, but, and, and now I know what, what I'm the price I'm going to pay for setting up like that is you are both going to feel obliged to sit stony faced straight afterwards to prove yeah, that Yeah, and boy, all gonna you're going really to get face. me on one of your
2: podcasts yeah. to make up for what potentially might be lit, uh, yeah, libelous. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so a, a guy, goes, guy goes into a pub uh, and he's, he's waiting to order his drink. There's another guy at the, at the bar. They sort of raise eyebrows and say hello to each other. And he says, Right, mate. He says, yeah. He says, Oh, what's your name? He says, oh, I'm Dave. What's your name? Oh, I'm Dave too. Oh, nice to meet you. Shake hands. Uh, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm, I'm a beekeeper. He says, you're a beekeeper? He says, yeah. He says, I'm a beekeeper as well. He says, we're, we're both beekeepers. That That's amazing. What, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? He says, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So so how many uh, how many bees do you keep? He says, got about uh, 30,000. Oh, all right, and how many uh, how many hives do you keep those 30,000 bees in? He says, they're spread across five or six hives. So, says, all right, right, right. What about you? He says, oh, I've got a million bees. So says, you've got a million bees? How many hives do you need for that? He says, oh, just the one. says, you keep a million bees in one hive? The other guy goes, uh, yeah, fuck them.
0: <laughs> I mean. I don't get it. I don't understand the joke. So I think I think wh- you did a great telling of it. I just thank don't, I genuinely don't thank you. understand
1: it. So so I think I think, <laughs> and I think the best jokes are the ones you have to yeah, explain. Yeah, always. Um, I think what's at the heart of it is um, this man's disregard for his bees, right. juxtaposed with the other man's careful care as a beekeeper oh, okay yeah
2: okay yeah i think the guardian readers are going to understand it sarah yeah, yeah. Well, and also yeah. i would like to say sarah had the face of a regret counselor like i'm just going to wait <laughs> for to finish this and then i'm going to come in with my reply oh. so whatever but, the joke was she was going to say don't it was get it. very well told honey
1: well I don't, I don't, it really was mm, it's
0: I mean, nice I like to it. be
2: patronized by a former moth storyteller i think a-
0: abso- absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Although He's, you will um, sometimes run stuff by me and I'm quite brutal. So I feel that was you getting your revenge.
0: Oh, yeah. I, but, but you know, that's the thing I actually... And like she has done shows you. that have had you
2: feature in them in varying degrees of uh, respectful kindness. Yeah, not, yeah, always, not I, always
1: flattering. Always yeah, but, funny,
2: but not always flattering. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. going to ask you uh, each as a final question. Uh, if you had one bit of life advice you could give to anyone listening, what would it be from each of you? Comparison
0: is at the root of most dissatisfaction. Oh, I love that. Say that one more time. Comparison is at yeah. the root of most dissatisfaction. Wow. You might have just saved me
2: two of my three black days a week. There you go. Shit. There you Thank go. Thank you. Namaste, motherfucker.
0: Namaste, <sighs> motherfucker.
2: Jeff.
1: How do I Beat follow that, that though? My, my that's very
0: be, hard to You're follow. the one who said that to me. Like, I know about that from you. So but that isn't this
1: be, always the way? Yeah, but I say stole something it from quietly, you say it louder and I, get all I, the Genuinely, credit for Jeff it. says
0: like funny stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'll take that or oh, I'll repeat that. And I, I'm that's constantly great. like thieving from him. So, what a great marriage. Really, Jeff made that. Jeff was like, have you ever thought? And I was like, that's really good. I have to keep that in mind. So, can that yeah. function on behalf of, can that be both of our answers? <laughs>
2: that was the wonderful jeff lloyd and sarah barron and i feel we should also give a shout out to their brilliant kid gene now every episode i pick a thing inspired by my guest or in this case guests that i am going to try cards on table, motherfuckers. I'm in week three of a breakup. So this was interesting timing to be doing this podcast. Thank you, universe. So in between bouts of crying and going out way too much, I am going to reread Esther Perel's Mating in Captivity. It's a book which looks at the conflict between desire and domestication. Fun times. But actually, in seriousness, her podcast, Where Should We Begin?, is a brilliant, brilliant, listen and has helped me through lots of things in the last couple of years and her ted talk is as good a use of 18 minutes as you are likely to find Um, and on the plus side now that the men in my household have flown the nest by the way that's my partner and my adult son i wasn't in a thruple there's no one to pee on the toilet seat or if there is i've only myself to blame namaste motherfuckers was written and presented by me callie beaton and was produced by mike hansen and karu shadami for pod people productions music by jake yap if you've liked today's show please subscribe now on your favorite podcast app and also rate and review the show not because i'm needy and crave external affirmation but because it helps other people find the show so that's the show for this week thank you so much to jeff and sarah for joining me that was our first couples episode of namaste motherfuckers so special occasion Um, you can find details of what they're both up to and esther perel's work on the show notes we'll be back in your feed next monday when i'll be talking to founder of the hoffman process uk best friend of jane horrocks and james bond star serena gordon I sometimes think some of the best actors and comedians are actually incredibly introvert, shy people who just have this alter ego. I'm Callie Beaton. Until next time, motherfuckers.